Okay, well, if you turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians 5, uh, but this evening we're going to look at verses 16 to 18, just three verses, 16 to 18. Uh, If you have one of the Green Church Bibles, that's page 1172. Uh, And in the large print Bibles, that's page 1812. And if you haven't got a Bible, there are some uh, at the back. Uh, You can go and get that, don't worry. Uh, I won't be disturbed, I'll carry on regardless. Or you can nudge someone next to you to get one for you. Uh, But it would be helpful to have a Bible uh, so you can follow along uh, with what we're we're doing here. So let me read to you Galatians 5, uh, verses 16 to 18. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. This is God's word. And I've called this uh, sermon, Walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Uh, On the 8th of May, uh, 1945, uh, we have a very important day in history. It is VE Day, Victory in Europe Day. Uh, This was the day that war in Europe ended with the surrender of the German army. And it was a day of of much celebration and joy because victory was declared. In fact, we still celebrate it today, as in on the 8th of May each year, not not today. Uh, And in fact, a few years ago, you may remember during the lockdown, on the 8th of May, uh, many people, uh, us included, uh, had little uh, parties on our driveways uh, where we celebrated the 75th anniversary of VE Day. Uh, however, after the surrender in 1945, uh, fighting did not stop completely until a couple of weeks later. Uh, news had to travel, uh, and some German units did not give up the fight right away. Uh, people still died. So although victory had been declared and victory was assured, for a while, battle still raged. The death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ has guaranteed victory for all of those who put their faith in him. That's, if you like, victory day. It has happened Putting faith in Jesus means trusting that his death has paid for our sins, the sin which separates us from God and means we face his judgment. It means that we believe that his resurrection from the dead provides us with eternal life. It means that we believe that his ascension has enthroned Jesus Christ as king forevermore and we therefore follow him as our king. That's what it means to put faith in Jesus Christ. We have victory. It's been declared. There is no doubt we have victory in Jesus. However, we await the full experience of that victory 
until the day he returns. And until that time, whilst we are on earth, we face a battle. A bit like that period between the surrender being signed and the war truly, fully being over. We are in a spiritual battle. Now, we've been thinking in chapter 5, verses uh, 1, really down to verse uh, 15, uh, about the fact that we are fighting for freedom. Uh, Last week, we considered not indulging the flesh, but that we are free from those indulgences of the flesh, which are slavery. But we are still, although we are free from them, in a battle against them. It's the battle of the Christian life. And what today's passage shows us is a battle between the flesh against the spirit within us. If you just scan over the verses we read and going down to the end of chapter 5, notice uh, how often the flesh and the spirit are contrasted. The words flesh and spirit are repeated over and over and over again. And Paul's contrasting, comparing, showing us the conflict between the flesh and the spirit. And if you remember from last time, the flesh here in Galatians 5 describes our human nature apart from God. What humanity has become because of their sin. It's not talking about physical flesh, which sometimes... In the Bible, that's what flesh refers to. But here it means that inner nature that is apart from God, that is against God. And even though we have the victory, we still face a battle against the flesh within us. And so it's important for us to answer this question, which Paul does for us in the rest of this chapter. How can I fight the sinful flesh that is within me? How can I fight? Because we all will see face this battle. This tension between the flesh and the spirit is universal. It's every Christian fights this battle. Now in Galatians, the Jewish false teachers said, well, if you want to win the battle, what you need to do is to follow the Old Testament law rigidly, uh, especially the rules around circumcision. Otherwise, if you don't follow the law and the rules and regulations therein, you will end up falling into what we saw last time is antinomianism, which is ignoring God's word altogether. You've either got to follow the rules or you will end up just falling into sin all the time. But Paul shows us here a far better way. Not a middle ground between law and, kind of, and license of doing what you want, but what one writer has described as a highway that is above them both. That highway is the Holy Spirit. When Paul says spirit in this passage, he is talking about the Holy Spirit of God. That's why um, in our Bibles uh, it is capitalized spirit. It is talking about the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So before looking in detail at the verses in Galatians, it's worth thinking about who the Holy Spirit is. And I intentionally say who rather than what. 
Because the first truth we must understand about the Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is a He. He is a He, a person. The Holy Spirit is God, a person in the triune Godhead of Father, Son, and Spirit. This is important because when we read phrases like live by, led by, and keep in step with the Spirit, we're not talking about fuzzy feelings that we may or may not have, but a person who we relate to. And that's really important to remember. Within the Godhead, uh, the Holy Spirit's role is shown in Scripture to be well, manifold. I'm going to show you. It's a bit small, but I'll, I'll read it anyway. Uh, but uh, the, the role of the Holy Spirit uh, is shown in, to be manifold in the Scriptures. So in, in John 6, we read that the Spirit gives life. That is spiritual life, life with God. Uh, the Holy Spirit guides us in the truth. The Holy Spirit empowers and helps believers to obey the truth. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us through enabling us to understand the truth of God's Word. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit seals us. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to help the church. The Holy Spirit indwells believers. And all of this to magnify Christ, to make Him known, to make us more like Him. And all of this uh, for the glory of God. And if you're taking notes and you're thinking, I can't scribble this down fast enough, just let me know afterwards and I can email you this slide. No problem at all. Uh, but the work of the Holy Spirit is a, a huge subject in the Scriptures. And God, by His Spirit, lives within His people. And that's the context in which we can understand the battle Paul talks about here. It's not about willpower it is about spirit empowerment. The way that the Holy Spirit empowers the believer, empowers you and me, is to show us how wonderful Jesus Christ is and how to follow him. And that's really important because when we're thinking about the flesh and the spirit, we make the mistake often of thinking, well, which I, I, I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit will make me feel like I want to follow him more than I feel like following the flesh. And there's an element of emotion in this, but that's not really what this is about. The role of the Spirit is to show us that Jesus is so wonderful and so glorious that we'll look at the flesh and say, well, why would I want to do that? You see? It's to show us how wonderful Jesus is. And it begins with our minds, our understanding being enlightened so that we understand the truth about Jesus. We see who Jesus is. We see that he's wonderful. We see what glorious things that Jesus has done for us. We see what he has for us as his people. And we're given then understanding of what it means to follow him. One example of that is if you were, were here this morning and you hear about what Christ has done for us on the cross. Isn't it amazing to see what he's done? If you understand what was preached this morning, that's the work of the Spirit in your life. Showing you how wonderful Jesus is in paying for our sins on the cross. And as then we understand 
The Spirit stirs our hearts, our affections. It gives us a desire to say, I want to follow Jesus. Because look at him. Look at what he's done. And then that causes us, as we want to follow him, to obey him. And the Holy Spirit enables us then to do that. A helpful way of thinking about that, uh, the work of the Spirit, is, is to think of head, heart, hands. Head, heart, hands. Showing us in our heads who Jesus is, what he is like, stirring our hearts with that truth to enable us then to obey. That's the work of the Spirit, in very short words. <laughs> and the verses before us show a conflict between, then, the flesh and the Spirit, this battle that is going on within us. Now, Paul is addressing here Christians who want to win this battle because they know, because the Spirit's shown them, that this is the way to freedom. And it's a mark of true faith in Jesus that you want to win this battle against the flesh. It's also a mark of true faith, and we'll see this, that you feel the conflict, but you want to, don't, I mean, don't you want to, 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 to win this battle? Even if you're feeling the, the conflict, don't you want to, to win the battle against the flesh, to have that freedom in Christ? If you're a Christian, you, may, you won't win every battle, but don't you want this? Don't you desire to honor God? Well, these verses help us to understand how we might do that. And we see three aspects of the battle in three verses. So in verse 16, we see our commander, the Holy Spirit. In verse 17, we see the conflict. And then in verse 18, our confidence. So our commander, our conflict, and our confidence. So first of all, our commander, in verse 16, walk by the Spirit. Uh, following on from speaking of indulging the flesh and biting and devouring one another, Paul says, so... So here's the alternative. I say, live by the Spirit. Now, many translations have the words, walk by the Spirit, in verse 16, which is helpful because the word in NIV, uh, in verse 16, translated live, is different from the word in the NIV, in verse 25, translated live. They're two different words. And so it's helpful to see them as different words. Walk is what is in verse 16, and then live in verse 25. So walk by the Spirit, Paul says. And the idea of walking then means to, to tread a path. And this is helpful because we're remembering that the Holy Spirit is a person. A person. So walking in the Spirit is not a kind of free spirit. You know, just kind of, I'll go uh, wherever I feel like going. And as if that's what the Spirit is doing. We, we go what we, we feel. No, we're following, we're walking following a person, the Holy Spirit of God. We don't just go necessarily where we feel God is leading us, just hoping for the best. Walking by the Spirit is following the leading of a commanding officer. And that's the illustration Paul has in mind here because in verse 17, we see him speaking of a conflict, a war. So walking by the Spirit is going where the Spirit goes. It is listening to his voice, discerning his will, following his guidance as a commanding officer in a war. You see? 
So here we read of walking, but in this passage we also see uh, the idea of the Holy Spirit being our commander by being told later to be led by in verse 18, to live by and to keep in step with in verse 25. All of these are kind of war words following a commanding officer. So how do we walk by the Spirit? By understanding what God says to us in the Scriptures. How do we know this? Because in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we read of the baptism of Jesus Christ, where we read he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. What happens next? In all three Gospels there, the very next thing that happens is we read that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And in the wilderness, Jesus faces the same battle that you and I face every day, the flesh against the Spirit. And Jesus fights the battle by using the Scripture against the enemy. Each time Jesus is tempted by Satan, he quotes the Scriptures to Satan and resists him. Jesus, at that point, is doing what we're told in Galatians here. He is walking by the Spirit. Ephesians uh, calls the Word of God the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. It's a a weapon of war. Uh, We read elsewhere that the Holy Spirit enables us to understand the Word of God. So Paul writes, In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. That is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. You see, the, 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 the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, gives us understanding of the Scriptures so that we can follow God through them. And I think we misunderstand the role of the Spirit in some ways and diminish him somewhat when we think of his role only to help us in our battles. He does help us. He is the helper. But he's not just a weapon for us to occasionally pull out of our armory when everything else has failed. As if he exists purely for us in that regard. If that was the case, or if we feel like the role of the Spirit is to make us feel nice or feel strong, we could then wrongly blame the Spirit for not being a stronger influence than our flesh. Well, that's, that's preposterous. No, we are drafted to fight in the Spirit's battle, to fall in line with the Spirit as with a commander. The Spirit's not going to lose the battle. He's God. Our role then is to fall in line, to walk by the Spirit. 
We march under his banner. We share in his victory. We don't just sit around and wait for him to make us feel like it. The commanding officer's instructions then is the word of God, which the Spirit enables us to understand. And so we must be people who, who read the Bible, uh, who work the Bible in, in us, who live it, who internalize it, who memorize it, who meditate on it, who pray through it, and we do these things every day until the battle has been finished when we are in glory. So the question to ask at this point is, have you got a, a dynamic relationship with our God through his word and prayer? If not, we cannot possibly walk by the Spirit. It's like uh, if, if, if you're trying to live for God without the Scriptures and prayer, it's the equivalent of a soldier then going into battle without receiving any instruction on what the objective is, where the enemy is located, what tactics are going to be taking place in our regiment, who you're fighting with, where you're fighting, and, and all of those things. If you go into a battle like that, you are just going to lose. So too will we if you have not got a dynamic relationship with God through word and prayer. That's how we walk by the Spirit. And Paul says, we walk by the Spirit, and then he says, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Notice that in verse 19. Walk by the Spirit... And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And that's because we are walking by the Spirit. And it's a, a different way of life to following the desires of the flesh. They're two different things. Walking by the Spirit then keeps you from the kind of slavery where you're just following your passions. You're following Christ. Now it's worth thinking through something here though. Paul throughout Galatians has been saying that Law-keeping or being under the law is not the way of the Christian. And so, it, it, at least in my mind, I was thinking as I was preparing this, what is the difference then between walking by the Spirit through following God's Word and law-keeping? Because they, they do kind of sound similar, don't they? Well, the difference really is in both intention and in motivation. The intention and motivation of of being under the law is to try and earn favor with God. And we keep failing because we can't please God in our own strength. We need a savior, Jesus. We need a helper, the Holy Spirit. But walking by the Spirit is different because the intention and motivation is not fearful dread of being struck down by God but rather joyful obedience, not to earn God's favor, but because A, we want to respond to God's love with, with a gratitude, and B, we know, because the Spirit has revealed this to us, that following God's word is the best way we can possibly live. It's the, the path to freedom and, and to joy. That's the difference, you see. We don't keep rules just so that God might like us. We follow Christ because he already has loved us. So that's the first point, to walk by the Spirit. 
to follow our commander who, as we follow his word, leads us to victory. So secondly, after looking at our commander, walk by the Spirit, Paul shows us more detail of our conflict, the flesh versus the Spirit. Why do we need to fall in under the commander, the Holy Spirit? Because there's a war on. Look at verse 17. For, this is why we walk by the Spirit, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. You see there, there's a conflict. There's a conflict that's going on between the desires of the flesh and the desires of the Spirit. The desires of the flesh describe sinful desires, and we see a kind of representative list of the kind of things in verse 19, which we'll look at next week. But all of us struggle with these sinful desires, don't we? I mean, I am not the only one here who has this battle going on within me, right? Well, I'm the only one that has it going on within me, but I'm not the only one that has it going on. Whether that be sinful sexual desires, whether that be a desire for gossip, whether that be the desire to get one over on someone else, to lie to get what we want, or whatever else it might be, all of us have sinful desires that rage within us. But the Holy Spirit who indwells us also has desires for us. The Holy Spirit has yearnings and desires which are at least as strong within us as the desires of the flesh. In fact, as Christians, we really want to live the way of the Spirit, don't we? We want to deeply follow Jesus And we will want those things more than the desires of the flesh, even if we feel the desires of the flesh raging. I mean, a Christian does want to follow Jesus. It's one of the defining parts of being a Christian. And that's because as Christians, we've been given new hearts where God has his law written on them. Now, we'll see this work out when we look next week at the fruit of the Spirit But the point here is that there are Holy Spirit-fueled desires within the Christian. We don't always follow them. We we fail in the battle, but the desire is there. Does, Does that make sense? The desire is there. And so within all Christians, we have the desire of the flesh and we have the desires of the Spirit and there is a conflict going on. And the conflict rages within us. I mean, do, you, do you feel that in, you, in your life, that, that conflict raging? It's hard, isn't it? I certainly do. We have these two powers pulling in opposite directions within us. However, it is not a stalemate. This is not two equal powers at work. Of course the Holy Spirit is more powerful than the flesh. The Holy Spirit is God. I mean, if this was not the case, we would never become Christians in the first place, would we? And we see evidence of the victory of the Holy Spirit in the battle when we read at the end of verse 17, uh, so that you are not to do whatever you want. What what does that mean? It means that there is a, a conflict going on, 
And our role in the conflict is to fall in line with the Spirit so that we don't just do whatever we want, whatever we feel like. We don't follow the, the fleshly desires. We follow what the Holy Spirit wants. We follow the Spirit. Now, I want to give you an illustration to help us think this through a bit more. How, how is it we engage in this conflict? And I want you to see that it's not about uh, feelings. I think we just, that the Holy Spirit is so wrongly often confused as a, a feeling or a force rather than a person. Uh, and to help us think about how we fight this, I want you to imagine a, a child uh, in a living room of a house, and this child uh, sees in the in the, in the corner of the room, a bar of chocolate that they are not allowed to have, okay? They can't have the chocolate. Number one, their parents have said, no, you mustn't have the chocolate. And number two, uh, they've got some kind of um, intolerance that means they can't eat chocolate, which is, which is really horrible. So you can't eat the chocolate uh, because it will make you ill and you've been told no. However, this child knows this chocolate tastes really nice, okay? Really nice chocolate. So, so the child is in the room and he's looking at the chocolate. What's going on within that child? The child is saying, I really, I really want that chocolate. And so what's the child supposed to do? I mean, he's going to be punished by his parents if he eats it. That, that might stop him. Um, but he knows it tastes really good. It, it, it might even be worth the punishment. Who knows? Is the child going to obey? Well, he could grit his teeth and say, I'm, I'm going to try really hard not to eat this chocolate. I mean, that would be quite a mature child. But he might grit his teeth and say, no, 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 and, and hold out. He might, have a, he might stick on the wall a whole list of, of signs that are rules, like don't eat the chocolate. He could do that and then just read the signs and say, I've got to obey, I've got to obey. But we all know, don't we, that if, those, if that's all he's got, He's just—he's going to eat the chocolate, isn't he? Eventually, he's just going to eat the chocolate, and that's not how we fight. The spiritual battle we face is not merely grit our teeth, willpower, and uh, try and follow the rules as best we can, and just hope that sometimes we we win, even though we know sometimes we lose. That's not how we fight the battle of the flesh. That's not how we walk by the Spirit. Here is what walking by the Spirit looks like. Here is the work of the Holy Spirit. The child is in the room. The chocolate is over there. But there's something else going on in the room. Behind the child, granddad is there. Okay, now in this illustration, granddad is an awesome granddad. Granddad has loads of treats and experiences that, that he loves loves sharing with this child. And this child knows granddad is just a wonderful granddad. And granddad is in the chair, and the, child, the granddad wants to relate to the child. He loves the child. He wants to spend time with the child and share with the child all the wonderful things he has. And so in the room, you've got the child, you've got the chocolate, and you've got granddad. Now, if the child is aware that, that granddad's there, two things happen. Number one, he, he won't go for the chocolate because he knows granddad's watching. 
and he's going to be ashamed to, to go for the chocolate. But more than that, he's going to turn to his granddad and walk up to his granddad and sit on his granddad's knee and share with his granddad all the wonderful things his granddad has and spend wonderful time with his granddad, which he loves to do. Do you see the difference? How is the child then ignoring the chocolate? He's ignoring the chocolate because there is something far better in the room with him. Granddad's there. The battle with the spirit and the flesh is fought like this. Jesus is in the room. Jesus is there with us. And what the spirit does is he says, would you just look at Jesus? Would you look at Jesus and just see how wonderful Jesus is? Would you look at Jesus and see what he's done for you? Would you look at Jesus and see all that he wants to share with you, all that he has for you? Would you, would you just spend some time with Jesus? And did you know, the Holy Spirit says, Jesus wants to spend time with you. Jesus really loves you. Jesus knows what it's like to want the chocolate, but Jesus knows that there is something far better. And so we gaze upon Jesus through his word. We spend time with Jesus. We we follow Jesus, we, 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 we delight in Jesus, and we realize Jesus is worth it. That's how we fight the battle. And you see then, it's not about our willpower and, and, and our grit, just grit in our teeth. It's delighting in something far better, the Lord Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, we know, don't we, that Jesus is better than the desires of the flesh? It's old language, but I read this recently from Thomas Manton. He says that the main reason why men dote upon the world is because they are not acquainted with a higher glory. Men ate acorns till they were acquainted with the use of corn. A candle is much ere the sun ariseth. We have not a right apprehension of grace till we can see it yieldeth us more than the world can yield us. We will never fall in line with the Spirit when we don't see the glory and the joy of doing so as a greater glory and joy than what the flesh desires. You see? And it is as we enter into the Word of God with the Spirit-given understanding that we can see this glory and joy that stirs our hearts and enables us to obey. So the conflict goes on, but the Holy Spirit gives us desires to be holy and directs and empowers and helps us as we walk by him as he points us to Jesus. So we all experience, don't we, this this tension. We feel the pull of the flesh to indulge it, to gratify it, but we've got to look at Jesus. And here's some encouragement for you. If, if, you're, if you've come to church this evening and you're hearing this and you're, you're, you're thinking and you're feeling that, that battle raging within you, can I just encourage you with, with this? If you're feeling that battle, then that is a sure sign that you have the Spirit. Right, isn't it? It's a sure sign that you are a Christian if you are feeling the battle raging within you. 
It's the battle of the flesh and the spirit. The Holy Spirit only lives in believers. But if you have no desire for holiness, and you have no care about sin, and there's no battle, then the flesh has won, and you haven't got the spirit. You're not a Christian. So if we feel the tension, be encouraged. You're a Christian. And the challenge for us here tonight is to to fight the battle. Get in line with the commanding officer. Follow his instruction. Pray for help which comes from God. And furthermore, receive help from our brothers and sisters, from one another. We are comrades in arms. We go into battle together, following the Holy Spirit. That we have struggles with sin should not surprise us. If a, if, you, if a brother or sister shares a struggle with sin with you, don't be surprised. We all struggle with sin. So let me encourage you to, to share struggles with each other. Pray with one another. Help one another to fight this battle. We should not be surprised that others struggle with sin. You are not the only one. Well, in verse 13, we're called, we were called not to indulge the flesh, but to serve one another humbly, weren't we? And a way of serving one another humbly is by helping one another to fight this battle. Well, we've seen then our commander and our conflict. But as a final encouragement, Paul wants us to know this is not a war that we ultimately are going to lose. So thirdly, we have our confidence. Verse 18, you are not under the law. It says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The Spirit, not law-keeping, is what prevents us from license, from just doing what we might feel like doing in the flesh. And being led by the Spirit is so much better than being under the law because when we fail under the law, We've read before that we face the curse of the law. Now, all of us have times when the conflict goes wrong. We, we, we gratify the desires of the flesh. It always fails to deliver. It always makes us miserable, but we, we do fail. We feel misery and shame, and, and, so, and actually that's, that's a right thing to feel when we have sinned. But we're not under the law So that when we do feel like that, we have a place to go that is not condemnation. We have a saviour, Jesus, who's been condemned for us. We're not under the law. Being led by the Spirit is vastly different to being under the law because when we have failed, the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit always does. He points us to Jesus and he says, come on. Jesus has died for your sins. Jesus is risen from the dead. Jesus has ascended to heaven. Your sin has been forgiven. Get up. Follow Jesus in the forgiveness of your sins. And that's far better, isn't it, than being crushed by the law? We're forgiven of our sins. And so we confess our sin. We receive God's forgiveness. And we fight again another battle. And that's our confidence, that we're not under the law, we have the Holy Spirit. We can be confident in our forgiveness 
And we can be confident in our ability to fight with God in us. And we can be confident of our ultimate victory. And we can be confident that over time, although we may not feel it, we are becoming more and more like Jesus until the time comes when we will be with him and we will be like him and we will see him as he is. The time is coming, brothers and sisters, when the battle will be over. Unlike VE Day, it's not just a couple of weeks, but it might be. I mean, Jesus might return tonight. That would be, be wonderful, wouldn't it? But it might be a long time for you. But the battle that you're fighting, the flesh and the spirit, is a temporary battle with a final victory in Jesus. And so keep fighting by the power of the spirit. The message here is not... Come on, guys, try harder. The message here is, look at how wonderful Jesus is. Look at all Jesus has given us. Why would you want to gratify the desires of the flesh? He has something far greater. So let's respond by walking by the Spirit with great joy. Well, wonderfully, uh, this evening... Uh, we have the, the great privilege of having the Lord's Supper, which is a privilege and a joy because the Lord's Supper is one of the ways that the, what, that the Holy Spirit turns us to Jesus and says, look how wonderful he is. Look at what he's done for you. So we're going to be uh, taken of the bread and the cup uh, in a moment. But what we're going to do first is to sing. Uh, we're going to sing a song that is a, a prayer that asks God to help us to fight in this conflict. Uh, so before we come to the Lord's table, let's stand and let's sing, O great God of highest heaven, occupy my lowly heart. Let's sing together. Yeah. 